0: Hi, Paula. How are you today?
1: I'm great. How about yourself?
0: I'm great as well. So I'm just making sure I mute some of these. Sound. <laughs> so, Paula, tell me about your background. Um, elaborate on your your background in, in the space of technology. And how did you come about with starting this convention, Women Impact and Technology, correct?
1: Yeah. So I spent 22 years of my career in corporate America with one very large organization in a staffing firm. My background was primarily in the technical space was was expertise in recruiting technology specialists and hiring um, technology representatives for clients. But we serviced all skill categories. And I actually led our um, global sales organization and I led the North American organization. But after pandemic, uh, we had amazing clients in the a multitude of industries, right, that had a tremendous amount of pressure for mass manufacturing, for in the pharmaceutical space, for distributing testing, and eventually distributing and working on our vaccines. So it was a tremendous amount of pressure. And while I loved it, after the height of the pandemic, I started reflecting, what could I do that was more in that leave a legacy part of my career that would have a lot more purpose and more meaning? I also had the great pleasure through the majority of my career In the staffing industry to partner in the supplier diversity space and ultimately be the executive sponsor in our organization for supplier diversity. So I worked with amazing um, minority owned businesses and women owned businesses, um, also LGBT uh, veterans and disabled uh, business owners around how to service our organization and be a great partner. So I got to mentor and work with them. And diversity, although it wasn't um, part of my day job, it was always a great passion. So I had a tremendous opportunity to uh, come and work and lead this organization, Women Impact Tech, which had been shut down. It had been a great uh, organization and a division that started from another staffing organization for a couple of years, 2018, 2019 shut down for two years during pandemic, as you might imagine. And the gentleman that started it decided they wanted to find a female leader to come and rebuild the brand, take it to market, own the day-to-day operations, and lead the um, strategy that they had started several years ago because they felt like the mission was still as relevant today as it's always been. And it is, right? So our company, our mission is really to work and help women technologists to network with other great women in the industry and multiple industries and multiple brands to help them elevate their career. And the other prong to what we do is we bring in companies that are really looking to improve gender equity in their tech departments, or they've already done that really well and recognize the huge value that having a diverse talent in their tech department, what an impact that will do to both their bottom line and production and all also to drive improved market share with having a deeper understanding and diverse thought around their products and services with having diverse thought in their technology groups. So we service both audiences, and we hosted six conferences this year around the United States. Phenomenally uh, well-received. We just wrapped up New York uh, last week, and we had over 700 attendees um, that just can't stop talking about how great their experience is and how much they appreciate the opportunity to network with women and companies that really want to position a culture where women can thrive in tech.
0: Wow, that's awesome! So, can you walk us through the day, that amazing day on November second and third? I guess last week we weren't <laughs> able to attend, but oh. I heard it was amazing. I heard oh. it was amazing, so I had to get you on and speak to you about, I guess, some of the goings on yeah. um, during the convention. But um, I know you had a, we had some speakers and panelists and moderators. Can you mm-hmm. talk about a little bit about the conference in the day
1: the day um,
0: operations?
1: Yeah so a couple of my favorites we had wonderful leader from the organization Twitch, their CIO, joined me in a fireside chat midday on our first day. And she just shared her career journey and all the things she's been able to do in a multitude of in a multitude of different industries as she built her career track and ultimately became the CIO of such a well-known brand and technology like Twitch. And our audience loved having that opportunity to really understand how diversification of her background really helped her set herself on such a very prominent journey. And unfortunately, women make up at the C-suite and at the executive level about 8% um, female executives and it's really a dominated space by men. So it was great to have her really share her journey and talk about how other women can set their sights and set their career strategy in a way that they can move towards the C-suite. And then we had, as you said, multiple panels. Um, Two of my very favorite panels, one spoke on diversification of characters in gaming, and we had a lot of different companies there that do some gaming or have Uh, close contact with gaming through their brands. And it was just wonderful to hear how these companies were doing such an improved job at ensuring the gaming uh, industry and the games that people enjoy playing really were a nice cloth of what our society looks like. For so long, we haven't done a great job diversifying those characters. So they talked about what their companies were doing to invest in that and why it was Important for their brands, so I thought that was super meaningful. And then um, we had another gaming company that actually also talked about that same topic, but from their lens, and it was a little different take on why it was so essential. And it wasn't just about diversification of the characters so that they mirrored society, but it was even more diversification, so that it was more avatars, and so that people didn't have to be gender specific in their gaming space; that they could be anything they wanted to be, and how freeing that was to not be positioned as either, you know, male or female, but to truly be gender neutral and be able to be on a kind of level playing field in the gaming space. So those were some of my favorite interesting topics. And of course, uh, it wouldn't be a female tech a conference without a great panel that talked about ensuring your worth and how to negotiate the salary you deserve in 2023. So I thought that was a really powerful team of women that talked to our um, network of attendees about how to position themselves at the end of this year in those kind of annual evaluations for the career journey that they want, as well as the compensation that they felt they deserved and should be earning.
0: Nice. And I see that you also had someone from the New York reporter that uh, moderated some of the speak-to-talks as well, correct? Yes. Steve Lord. Yes. Yeah. Even Lord. I, I, <laughs> yeah. How did that fireside chat go, Rejma Sojani? Yeah, so
1: she's amazing. If you haven't met her, she certainly is a great speaker. She started Girls Who Code, and she was very passionate when she started Girls Who Code, and they've evolved so much. But her passion shines through in everything she does. Of course, we were very close to election, so that conversation at Fireside Chat was awesome. It actually expanded outside of just her mission and how she built her entrepreneurial business around Girls Who code and and the impact that young girls can have in helping us close the gender gap for uh, women in technology but she also couldn't help herself she was out there really passionate around getting women out to vote and ensuring that they understand the impact that their vote could have um, towards women and women women's initiatives um, reproductive rights all the way through i think in new york they had the they had just passed that transparency um, law for compensation so all those things bled into that conversation with uh, Stephen, and it was great to see just how strong her persona is and how she represents um, a beautiful entrepreneurial spirit focused on the core mission of Women Impact Tech to close that gender gap.
0: Oh, that sounds like an amazing I guess panelists discussion, and also the cool thing is, I think I believe the governor was reelected, correct?
1: Yeah, I think the so. And that's I that's what right. I heard. Yeah, the
0: first female New York governor that yeah. was elected, and then also we did, we have have had a very interesting year with the overturn of Roe versus Wade. How, did you guys delve into that as well, into some of the reactions that women have with that.
1: You know, it didn't come up at the conference much other than for a lot of our speakers to use their voice on the stage to to really encourage women to get out and vote and that their vote and their voice would make an impact. And we needed to ensure that this is a time that we stood up and were represented. I have been talking about um, Roe versus Wade and that impact in our industry. And certainly as you're driving toward gender equity in tech and you're trying to ensure that, you know, we increase the numbers. There's about 28% of women that have tech jobs. And then if you look at leadership jobs or Even before you get to leadership, if you look at truly the engineers that are out there in tech, that number, when you get into the real more technical jobs as engineers, there's about 14%. So the the number almost gets cut in half of all tech jobs when you get down to real engineer level technologists. And then after that, if you go into leadership, it's cut in half again, right? So we're in that single digit number for leadership and technology. So that gap's so huge that when they made so... a a difficult decision and came out and overturned Roe versus Wade. You know, it was probably one of my most proud moments of continuing this mission and journey because the technology companies were some of the very first companies that came forward and said, we are going to implement a benefit to allow women and the women in our organization to actually get fair, equitable, um, reproductive rights in whatever state that we may have to allow them to travel to. To receive that that care, you know, I think there were tech firms coming forward with that conversation, even when it was leaked and it wasn't even official yet, and that was empowering. I think they know they're behind. The tech industry knows they're behind in getting equality for women and getting enough women hired. Um, but the gap's big. Some analysts say it's going to take us 12 years to close this gap and get equality in the technology space. But seeing how powerful they were and how in the forefront they were in their reaction. Action to Roe versus Wade was promising. They are making a strong stance to ensure most of the big tech firms that they are going to support women's reproductive rights and ensure that they offer that benefit to the women, even though it's a burden on them from the government. They're willing to to, to take on that burden to ensure they close the equity gap, which I think is huge. We're a small business, very small business, 25 employees, and I came out and did the same thing. We implemented a program that said if you're a woman and in our organization, which we only have two men on the team, mostly women in our organizations, but we support their reproductive rights and we'll pay for travel to give them the opportunity if that is something that they need for their benefits and care of their um, reproductive health.
0: I know oftentimes when we have conferences or conventions or we meet up or have a cohort, so to speak, I know a lot of times it can be a little daunting and a little challenging to try to break people into spaces where they can actually have a one-on-one or intimate engagement. Did you guys break into a recession? or any kind of mixers can actually talk and meet one another on a one-to-one basis?
1: That's a great question. So we work really hard at that a lot of excellent content like we talked about, but we also do smaller breakout sessions for mentee mentor engagement so that the women can kind of group out. It's always interesting to me at our event. These women with seven years, like our attendees mostly have between five and seven years, 60% of our attendees have that level of experience, but they still are looking for a mentor and they're not confident enough to say, I can mentor. I've really done a great job in the five to seven years I've been in the industry. So I find it always uh, interesting that we always have a lot more women that want to be mentees than we have mentors. But we do a small breakout session where we encourage some great dialogue and we break into small groups, even though it's a small breakout session. We take about 10 to 20 mentors and then do small circles with those mentors where you can really get one on one time and either share a story or a challenge and ask for direct feedback in those engagements and sessions so that you can can get something, a nugget you can take and put into place at work the very next day. So we do that. We do networking sessions where we break out and allow um, our attendees to have time to engage with other attendees, either on our exhibitor floor, meeting our sponsors, or in small, intimate breakout rooms with soft furniture where they can sit down and really have good dialogue. And this show, we haven't done it at every show, but this show we actually did a headshot lounge. And while the lines Were long. Uh, I heard just great women engaging with one another and very good conversations in those lines during the headshot uh, wait period. And it was great. I got feedback during some of the uh, breakout sessions myself or networking sessions where people would share with you. You know, I go to a lot of tech conferences, and the thing I love about Women Impact Tech's conference is the things that you do to really show us that. That you do this for us. And the headshot example was one where we don't charge for that, but we give them an opportunity with a professional photographer to build their headshot. We offer resume review time with our recruiters and we also offer um, interview prep time. So they can sign up and schedule a 30 minute session with one of our recruiters to do interview prep or to do resume review. They can either do a 30 minute session or they can do a one hour session, all in which we are hoping to give them that foot up. and they get back into the workplace to elevate their career. And then we also end each uh, day of our conferences with a networking reception. So we have wine and cocktails and we really give everybody some great food and, and appreciation for their time that they've invested either as a participant or a speaker or sponsor. And then they can network during those hours as well at the end of the day um, or during lunch. We also do a lunch and a couple of breaks. Everybody loves food and they always comment that's one of the best compliments we get after every show that we go all out to make sure that we feed them very well and make sure they have great snacks throughout the day.
0: And you mentioned Twitch earlier, which is a live stream channel. We have a Twitch 360 magazine, but I was wondering, did you guys do any live streaming of the convention or the conference while you were there as well?
1: We did not. You know, that's something we aspire to do. I think it would be fantastic if we got more into that type of um, live stream. We record everything um, that we do on our main stage, our big stage, not always the breakout sessions, but we record the bigger sessions to have that content available for membership. These are great one-time events, but our goal in 2023 is to build a robust membership. A lot of the women and a lot of the companies ask for partnership throughout the year. We don't want to wait till you come back a year from now to New York City or Chicago or Boston or San Francisco. What can we do to be in better, stronger partnership with you throughout the year? And we're building membership so that not only can we use our live conferences to help our sponsors find exceptional talent, but once they find that talent, we have membership to help them retain this amazing female base of talent. And in membership, we offer all those recorded sessions. Um, so that they have those at their fingertips. And then we do some virtual sessions that are live with speakers, but in a virtual platform. So any member around the country can join those sessions and engage with great thought leadership and our speakers.
0: And how many people are in membership now? How many chapters?
1: We have ju- we are just launching membership. We will start on January 1. So we're building the platform. We're building and archiving all of our thought leadership so that it's simple and easy for them to research when they become a member. But it is... Uh, Uh, It will be the launch of 2023.
0: How will the credentialing process take place? Will it be rigorous?
1: So we're going to have two areas. It won't be rigorous to be a member. Certainly we want anybody that's in the tech department that wants to elevate their career and surround themselves with strong females. They actually can join membership with us as an individual. They can do that just through a a payment of $2,500 for the year to have a network and thought leadership at their fingerprints. And then also I keep saying... Think of it as the biggest BRG in the country for women in tech, um, a resource center where they have other industries and other brands that they can lean on and talk to about best practices in their current role. And then we also will do membership for corporations. And with corporate members, they'll be able to bring, depending on what level of membership, a number of women in tech individual members with them for the corporate membership. And we'll continue to have track of thought leadership and speakers and events for women in tech technology and the individual member, as well as the corporations. And we'll talk about things that are important to them, like how to build a strong culture around diversity and to diversify your hiring of women. So there'll be a track for both audiences, our corporations and our individual members.
0: Did you all, um, I think during the conference, touch on anything relative to NFTs and cryptocurrency? No.
1: You know, nobody was really um, hot on that topic. I think everybody's in a hurry up and wait mode. Um, It's been interesting to watch crypto this year and just see what's happening. And um, I try to read and stay on top of it. I think... There's a lot of concern with the interest rate elevation and and all the general layoffs in tech and, you know, across the board. It's probably the largest layoff we've seen here in fourth quarter in the tech space, maybe ever in my lifetime. It's very sweet. A gentleman and one of my investors just posted a LinkedIn article, you know, reminding those that might have been impacted by this layoff that it's short, it's temporary, that they will drive innovation in this country and be a significant part of the economy. uh, recovery. So while it feels horrible right now to see so many of the people we're very passionate about in the layoff mode, I do think it will be short term. And I think that William Tack Crypto will see a bounce back on that as well. This is just Pollyanna view here, probably named appropriately being named Paula. I I do think that if we go through um, these impacts in technology, it's a great opportunity for women to take a bigger percentage when we come back and start hiring. So while it can be very uncomfortable and seen as a negative right at this moment, I think it's an opportunity for women in tech to make a big stance and for companies to make a stance as well in closing gender gap for hiring technologists uh, when they bounce back and start to hire.
0: And did you see any uh, inequalities with the uh, percentage of students that are registered or enrolled in colleges like Cornell, MIT, did you guys talk about the gender gap in that, in that area, the yeah. sector of education?
1: We did not dive into education, although part of the reason we wanted girls who code, we recognize that getting younger generations in and getting them interested in tech sooner is a big, it's a passion and it has to be a contributor to close this gap, right? We know tech talent in this country is short anyway. And then when you think about girls that get interested in technology, it doesn't usually happen. We still gear toys for girls towards, you know, Barbies and dolls. And we don't push them towards STEM activities when they're younger. So those are all things that, you know, when I get an audience and I get an opportunity to talk about it, I really push to ensure that we're starting girls as young as possible to have an interest in coding, to have an interest in anything that's STEM related, whether it's Legos, starting to build that engineering thought process and engineering mind, it will make a difference. And then they will, face the stigma as they grow into um, schools. And people, little, very few people know this, but I'm actually a troop leader for my daughter. She started elementary school this year. And one of the things that the Girl Scouts of America organization has started is really pushing STEM in their curriculums and in their patches and in the work that they're offering young girls. So I do tell people Girl Scouts of America, getting your child, your daughter involved in Girl Scouts is a great way to introduce them to STEM activities, starting in kindergarten and keeping that through their path. And then we will see more women lean towards STEM careers and technology careers as they enter college. But we've got to get them interested very young and ensure that they don't have the stigma um, that often they face with their peer group when they are interested in more STEM activities versus uh, cheerleading or baby dolls or whatever it is at the appropriate levels. Um, I think all those things matter as we line up. Now, our organization is very, very much focused on more tenured or um, mid-level technologists. We don't put a tremendous focus on new hires, but there is a great number of those new hires that are looking for support. And some great companies that support them like Grace Hopper, Anita B, and all those types of programming for recent graduates. And all of us together will work towards closing that gap. Even Girls Who Code, Black Girls Who Code, there's tons of organizations that are supporting women along that journey. And we all have to partner together to ensure that we're trying to change these statistics. You know, I, I think about um, bringing up Black Girls Who Code, when you look at girls, That are women of color, black girls specifically in technology today, they only make up 4% of that 28%. So it is a gigantic gap that we can close and such a population of opportunity for women of color to move that direction and get engaged and involved and in in something that can be a phenomenal career path if we can start their interests younger so that they don't feel a stigma as well.
0: I know a lot of times in some of the urban. Areas there's a program called Upper Bound, and I was a part of it as well in Michigan called Cranbrook Kingswood Overbound, Upper Bound Horizons Upper Bound. Yeah, we had a component to it. With uh, one one component was publicly held as a nonprofit. Have you guys thought about engaging in some of those cohorts yeah. or, or cohorts in such or like that that can uh, have an impact on a young person and or even offer a scholarship within the high school demographic or even the elementary school level as well, like you said before? Yeah,
1: I think that's an aspiration. Um, it's funny you bring that up. We just we had a couple of nonprofits and partners that partnered with us in certain communities along the way and they were very proactive. They found out about our conference, reached out, and said, Hey, can we be involved? And some of them were educational and some of them were just nonprofits that do great work with the youth um, to get them interested in technology. So we're we just had a team meeting. It's so funny. And we said, how can we be proactive versus reactive as they're reaching out to us? So one of our goals this year in 2023 is to find those communities that are doing great work and ensure that we partner in a proactive way to give them a stage to share the work that they're doing, because it is so critical to our ultimate mission of closing this gap and finding a good partner in every city that we service to ensure that we're giving back to that community and that we're focused on the mission with those organizations that are focused on bringing girls into tech,
0: for sure. Yeah, it's very important that we do that. Because the world we live in is unfortunately it, it is so marginalized, um, and a lot of times I think uh, the scholarship programs will be very helpful, particularly for organizations like ours. Um, a lot of people, are, particularly automotive brands, are starting to uh, sponsor, I guess, cohorts or even internships or apprenticeships within organizations like a publication journal, where they could, um, you know, just sponsor those students. Have you guys talked to any of your sponsors about sponsoring some of those internship programs with some of the companies?
1: We have it, but that's a great progress of where we could go in future state.
0: Yeah. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you would like to touch on today?
1: No, the only thing I would love to just plug is to say we have seven conferences scheduled for 2023. If you know. Someone in the tech space that's looking to advance their career, if they feel they're one of the statistics, I think the last statistic I saw for women that are evaluating their opportunity for upward mobility in their current career, 66% are reporting there's no upward mobility for them. So if you know a woman that's in the tech space that's looking for an opportunity to really find a company where she can thrive in her career, and advance into leadership, we'd love them to participate with us. Our seven shows, we're doing San Francisco, March 21st and 22nd. We have Seattle, um, May 24th. Oh, and I skipped one. We have um, Chicago in April, April 27th. We've got Denver in July, July 11th. Uh, Boston in August, August 21st and 22nd. And then Atlanta, October the 20 or the 2nd and the 3rd. And then we will close out the year, um, just like we did that this year in New York City, um, November 2nd and 3rd next year. And we would love to have those women join us. And then certainly great media presence like yourself that can advocate to improve
0: and help us with our mission. That would be fantastic. Yeah, that's wonderful. And uh, we, we take note of that. Thank you so much, Paula, for being such a, uh, an advocate for women in technology and being such a trailblazer in your field. Uh, we need more people like you who are powerful, strong, and standing in the truth that are helping young women find a way, particularly in this industry that's extremely marginalized, extremely difficult to break into. And so you're offering them an opportunity to get their foot into the door and hopefully they can walk through it this time. So we're very appreciative of that. We love you for that, actually.
1: Thank you so much. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about it today. It was really nice. Thanks.
0: You're welcome. Have a good one.
1: You too.